Welcome back to another episode of uh, Effortless Conversations. And today our guest is James Guggenheim. Uh, you go by Jim, right? Can I call you Jim? Jim is fine. All right, great, Jim. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, Jim. You're you're retiring soon, huh? Yeah, I've been um, I've been in this industry since 1985. Um, and like everybody else in industry, sort of just fell into it. Uh, no one goes to school for this. There's no college, and you know for no one grows up saying I want to be a mortgage person um, and I've been with the company for uh, over 30 years which I know is like dinosaurish compared to the world <laughs> nowadays uh, I've lived around here um, lived in Princeton for a, a bit after we got married um, in 83 and I've lived in Hopewell uh, since 85 I guess or 86 I'm trying to remember um, and uh, you know made a life of this business and um, ready to move on to the to the next chapter. What's the next chapter look like? Next chapter, well, COVID kind of threw a, threw a curveball in, like, so we didn't really make a ton of plans for right now, um, which we probably would have. Uh, my, my original plan was, you know, to spend the whole summer going to music festivals and, you know, driving around doing things like that. But because uh, of COVID, we didn't really plan anything. You didn't know when, it, you know, when, when vaccines were going to come, when everything you were going to get out of it. And so, uh, we ended up we're gonna end up watching our grandchildren quite a bit over this summer and uh, the first big thing we're doing is we're we're renting a uh, ski house in uh, Lake Tahoe for five weeks. Oh man! Last week of February through the first Saturday of April next oh, year. You can't beat so, that. Yeah, um, and it's there's we have passes that um, cover a bunch of mountains, so there'll be I think there's two or three right around Lake Tahoe we can go to. So that's amazing. Um, it'll be fun. And on the way out, because we're driving, uh, Rich is going to be in uh, Colorado for a month um, with his family, and his dad's going to be out there. So we're going to stop on our way through and probably ski, stay with them for a little, you know a couple of days and go skiing and hang out. It sounds so, like a dream trip. So it'll be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah it'll be great. <laughs> cool. I'll tag along. Thanks for the invite. Excuse me. I'll tag along. Yeah, Thanks for the invite. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we've been out to Lake Tahoe a few times, or not once. Once my wife's been out twice, and uh, it's just beautiful. The vibes great. Um, a lot of you know money comes in from San Francisco on the weekend, but the people that live there, it's more of a regular place. Are they are there. they like hostile to outsiders, or do they, do they, they welcome you? Everybody know, seems very friendly out there. That's good. Um, you know, been to Park City. It's real richy rich um, out that way. So. Uh, Colorado was actually more expensive to rent a house, so I just you know figured we'll go a little bit further and go to Lake Tahoe since I like it anyway. That sounds awesome. Yeah, so it'll be fun. I'm very jealous. Yeah, and we're <laughs> gonna go down and visit the folks in uh, in uh, Charleston in October. Um, we're going on a we're gonna go a week down in Folly Beach, Folly Beach, however you say it. Yeah, right Folly. Of Charleston, and then we're gonna go. My brother-in-law and sister-in-law in Myrtle Beach and Surfside Beach actually. And we're gonna stay there for a week, so we're gonna. That's our first vacation really after this i love surfside um, yeah. yeah yeah i have a timeshare there so oh great so janet janet bought a house down there no way yeah man yeah. I, I go there i've been there every summer with my family yeah. still as a kid retired down there when she retires so her husband's retired he goes down okay yeah, somebody turn the lights on need to go turn them off yeah i'll okay. do that real quick that's fun so surfside beach retiring down there yeah janet janet's been retired down there um she bought a house right in the same development where our timeshare is, which was like small world kind of thing. That's and you guys hadn't coordinated that. No, I just happened to get we we um 
we were going down to visit my brother-in-law, and she and I knew she went down there all the time. She said, "Oh yeah, we're, we're we decided to buy a house, so <laughs> we went and actually looked at it." Oh, that's great! <laughs> and I drove by, like, because you know, I mean, I don't know which one, but we drove through the neighborhood where they were building her house, so um, so that's cool. And so, where are you living right now? I live in Titusville, in Hopewell, right okay. next town, over a mile from here. And you're gonna are you gonna stay here after you retire? Or you Probably gonna... not. It's you know, it's too, the taxes are too high. I mean, I'd stay in my house forever. I'd never move, but I you know I can't justify financially staying in a house where paying you know sixteen, eighteen thousand dollars a year in taxes when I can move somewhere and pay three. Whew, eighteen thousand in taxes. That's yeah. wild. That's very expensive. Jersey, you get great schools, you get great service. There's a lot of people live here because it's you know compact. Um, not so much where we are here, but you know, the whole state. Yeah. And um, you know, but you pay for it. That's what you know, you gotta pay for it somehow. So it's unfortunate a lot of older people move out for that very reason. I mean I literally would never move from my house if I if it wasn't for the taxes. It's wild. My wife and I are in the housing market right now and yeah. it's just like the taxes have been the, the breaking point for almost everything well, we Well it's really funny when people when I, I was a loan officer for uh, from eighty five to like ninety eight ish, um, when I started getting in management, and um, you know, I used to say to people when they're looking, when they're getting qualified, I said, you know, you got to really look at the difference in taxes. It's a huge, you know, you're looking in one town where the taxes are twice as much as the other. You're going to qualify for a lot less loan. You know, and people don't realize that, and um, that's what loan officers need to educate people when they first start looking, because you know, everybody's concerned about what's your rate, what's your rate, what's your rate. But you know, educate them on the other things, and people will come to you because um, you're being a consultant and you're not just a salesperson. Yeah, it's so true. I had no idea about the taxes before I got into the market. And yeah. Just like, I mean, we'd do the numbers. I'd be like, oh, this is a great one. And then we'd add in the taxes. And right. like, ah, this puts and us over. look at condos and, and, and townhouses and they forget about the association fees. And, you know, now the association fees are going to remove some costs for you, you know, landscaping and taking care of your yard and things. But... I, I don't think it's the same cost uh, that you're paying every month. So, but that's the other thing you got to take into consideration if you're looking at that kind of property. So, yeah, it's just the things you learn over the years. As a, as you know, as I, I said recently in one of my emails to everybody, uh, you know, be interested. Um, you know, uh, be you can get far in life by just saying. Oh, that's interesting. Don't know what that means. And go look it up yourself. Yeah. And look for help to find the an answers. But um, that's how I got where I am. You know. Right. It wasn't because I went to school. I was a loan officer, just like any other loan officer. I wasn't a manager or anything. And um, I was the guy that the guy the guy we had a guy Brad Dimmick ran the company when I came here, and um, he was a real salesy guy. He was a recruiter. You know, he 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 was that that kind of sales manager, and um, he realized after a short period of time that like I was very good at the analytics of things and I would look you know we used to have these binders that were this thick with the guidelines in them and right. every investor had different rules it wasn't like they were all the same so you had to like dig through and find out information and he realized that I knew all that stuff and did it so he used to send other loan officers to me all the time to you know for to help him with things like that which lasted for a while until 
it's he started doing the you know I'm out playing golf this afternoon call Jim if you have any issues <laughs> right. and I'm like dude I'm a commissioned salesperson so I'm not doing this and, and so I became my, Mr. I don't know one of the loan officers called me I don't know because that was my answer to every, everything except for like my three buddies that work for the company them I would help yeah you just got to start batting and then those guess what <laughs> I started I became the assistant sales manager and started getting paid for it there then you I go was, then I was fine with it yeah, right once they, once they saw they needed to pay you for this information exactly. and then I was cool with it <laughs> So, and that, that's literally how I ended up getting into, you know, management at Princeton Mortgage because uh, he left. Rick Wydell, I, the owner, didn't. I don't even think he knew I was the assistant manager, uh -huh. and he had me like while he was looking for somebody else, kind of handle some stuff. And you know, that's you know, we ended up here a million years later. It's wild. Yeah. And so you say you kind of fell into the mortgage industry. Did you start out as a loan officer? Or? Yeah, I started out as a loan officer. Um, I got in. Uh, here's a, another little. How the world spins in a circle. So, we are living in this two-family house, renting. Owner wants to sell it. We tell him when we rent it, hey, come to us first. He doesn't. He goes to a realtor. Realtor shows up. We're like, well, we'd like to buy it. So she puts us in touch with a, a loan officer with this company, City Federal Savings and Loan, um, and uh, we end up buying the house. Um, about a month after we close. Marcy Brody, Lord Loan Officer, calls me up and says, hey, we're opening an office in Princeton. You know, I think you could do this. Why don't you come talk to my manager? And at the time, I'm working for a publishing house, like just making like follow-up calls for salespeople. Um, when I got out of college, unemployment was like 12%. So it was, wow. I just took, I painted houses for a while yeah. with, a, with a contractor. And then um, I just took any job I could get that was in an office because Every time I went in an interview, they were like, oh, you don't want to work here because you're used to working in, you know, outside right. and stuff. So, um, so I wasn't making any money. That's my point. I was making like $10,000 a year or something doing that. So I went for the interview. The guy wants to hire me. So I got in the mortgage business by getting a mortgage. It's 25 years later. A friend of mine from high school calls up. Hey, my daughter is interested in getting the mortgage business, can you talk to her? I call her up and talk to her. I'm like, yeah, sure. Call her up. It's exactly how she got in the mortgage business. Her and her husband bought a house. Guy gave him the mortgage. A month after closing, calls her, sometime after closing, calls her up, says, you know, I think you could do this. Why don't you, are you interested in coming and working for me? And that's how she got in the mortgage business. That's so interesting. It's amazing, right? Like, yeah. Say it was like not partially the same story, the exact same story. Right. And she's still in the business. Um, she was a loan officer. I think she's a processor now. Okay. Um, and uh, you know, maybe she can work for us at some point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That'd be that'd be more interesting. So. It's it's so it's so interesting because I've heard some stories about how you know recruits get brought up. Everybody gets in the mortgage business. No one. There is no school for this. And, right. You know, a lot of salespeople get in it by knowing somebody else. I mean, the the best way to get in it is to know another loan officer to be in the sales side of it. Right. And um, you know, people were pretty surprised when I got in sales. I'm not a salesy guy, I'm not the backslapper, lunch goer, you know, all that stuff, right? right? But I figured out, I was, I would say I was a B, B minus with the getting the leads, meaning the realtor solicitation, that right. part, but I was an A plus with the borrowers because I knew how to talk to them and I knew how to, I would tell, sell with math as I always used to say, I would teach them how they could save money. I would talk to him about loan programs that maybe somebody else wasn't going to do, wasn't going to talk to him about, 
to show them how they could save themselves some money, depending on how long they were going to stay in their house. Didn't mean they took the program I talked to them about, but because I was selling that way, you know, I could get away with having slightly higher rate or slightly higher fees. Not all the time, but a lot of times. So I sold by being a consultant to the client, the, the borrower. I didn't have to be as good with the realtors then once they knew I was so good with the borrowers because borrowers would, would, would rave about me too. Right. You know what I mean? So like, take, you know, it takes all kinds to be a loan officer. You can do it either way. Right. Um, so your weapon was more your extensive knowledge of everything that's going on. It was just on. being analytical and yeah. teaching them how to, you know, I, I'll tell you what, the first four years I was in the business or five years before I came to Princeton Mortgage, you know, I was, you know, just, yeah, we, everybody was the same age. We were all 20, in our 20s. The old guy was 30. It was okay. amazing. Because like <laughs> the business was young. Right. Prior to that, everybody got their mortgage from a bank. Mm -hmm. And it, it was just starting up, you know, probably a little bit earlier than when I got in it, where you had these salespeople out soliciting for loans. There were way more transactions back then, too, you have to remember. So there was a, there was a lot more activity. Um, houses used to used to turn over more often because people would try to move up, you know, from a two-bedroom house to a three-bedroom house to a four-bedroom house, um, way, way more, whereas nowadays people stay in their house longer right. or have anyway. Um, I forgot what my whole point of that was. So what I used to do, what I, what, when I came to Princeton Mortgage and I was in this little room smaller than this with a, with a ceiling that was curved and me and these two other loan officers were in there and in six months I learned more from those two guys than I had learned in the prior five years I was in the business because we each had a unique way of talking to people and because we were in this little tight space you heard their, their, their line of bullshit <laughs> or their way of selling and um, they turned mine and then we would feed on each other. One guy was really really salesy he was the back slapping guy, the guy that would take you fishing, go hunting with you right. you know what I mean, that guy and the other guy, Bob, that was Bruce Turner. He he uh, he was with the company almost from its inception when I got got here. Um, and then Bob Hart, who had actually worked at me with me at City Federal when we were we were both there. Um, and then he came on, and he was analytical like me, but like kind of in the middle. He could do both, and I was way more the analytical side. So, but we all learned from each other, and um, you know, we come up with our own programs. Uh, you know, Bloomberg, you know, Bloomberg is Bloomberg News. Right. Well, they opened a, uh, a corporate office in Montgomery, which is like a couple towns over. So, you know how we have the affinity relationship? Yeah. We did our own. Okay. And, and all it was was, and it was just word of mouth because they had their own internal, like, in, intranet back before anyone even knew what any of that stuff was. Right. And we got on it, and it was free application fee. And it was just, we just made every other loan officer, if they got somebody at Bloomberg, to make sure they gave them a free application fee. And we used to just get business like this. So we just did a lot of stuff on our own that the company didn't care because we were like our own individual businesses working for the company. That's so cool. And, you know, so, uh, you know, and then in the long run, you know, I made my living, put my kids through college, you know, paid for my daughter's wedding and saved up for a retirement, you know. And you know, not to disc my wife has been working the whole time. She's a teacher. Um, we she's retiring now because she's got her enough time in so we can get free medical. So oh great. <laughs> um, you know so like both between the two of us we've gotten to this point by you know working hard, saving our money, 
doesn't mean we didn't do have fun, but you know, we didn't extravagantly spend money. A lot of salespeople make the mistake of, you know, they had that one big year and then they think they can live off of that. Right. Like they can live like that's the money they're always gonna make and you know, they end up getting themselves all in trouble. Right. So I actually had discussions with some of our salespeople in the middle of last year specifically about that. Yeah, I was wondering <laughs> and, and I mean, not to do it, you know, and yeah. just to be careful and you know, it doesn't mean you can't take care of yourself. You can go buy yourself a car or whatever, but you know, don't buy an $800,000 house when your previous five years said you should be buying a $300,000 house. Right. You know what I mean? Don't do stupid things like that. And that's how we've always treated our lives, so. And that's great of you to be able to step in and say, hey guys, look, I know that you're having fun. I've been through the wars. Yeah. And I've seen what people have done. Now, from the company standpoint, you like, you know, as a manager, you like when people do that, let salespeople do that because it puts pressure on them to make more money. So. Right. But, you know, as a human being, yes. I like having the discussion. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. You don't, you don't always get that from managers. Yeah, uh, you gotta, you know, to be the, 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 the kind of company we wanna be, you have to care about the individuals who work for the company too. Yeah. Um, it's not just the bottom line. And it's a fine line, it's hard. Everything's yeah. hard. Yeah, that's you no know? joke. We're, we're, we're uh, everybody likes yes, no answers. And unfortunately, there is shades of gray Absolutely. Everything. Everything. And, uh, that's our business. That's what mortgage business is. Hey, you wouldn't need a loan officer or a processor if it was simple. Oh, I, I never had any idea how nuanced it would just be. You know, that's why I find it hilarious. The whole, you know, um, quick and nonsense with, you know, the, their app. Right. That's a pre-qualification program. I, I have a pre-qualification program I created on my computer in, you know, 1990. You know, it's the same thing. <laughs> right. It's just they've they've they found a way to market it and get everybody to believe it um it's it's uh it's a lot more complicated than they make the tv commercials yes you know because everybody's life's different yeah and it, I, I never realized how nuanced the mortgage industry was and how you know many different wrong turns you can take it's, it's getting i mean i think it's going to be more complicated from the employment side of things going forward because of the way the 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 world has changed with the people working from home and the people working for themselves and the and you know the uber economy um, kind of thing where you're not an employee but you sort of are and you know a lot of rules and regulations and how you qualify and how we do things are probably going to change over the next few years because of that so um, you know that's why it's not just about interest rate and fees it's about who can help you um, if you're a, 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 a somebody buying a house or refinancing it's about who can help you do the right thing for you, right? You know, because the right thing for you is not the right thing for me, or the right thing for your sister, or for my sister. You know what I mean? True. Yeah, everyone's situation is different. Everybody's situation is different. As I like to say, you never know what's going on behind closed doors in somebody else's house. I bet it got really interesting last year with COVID. Did you see some interesting cases come through that? Well, we just—it was just there. Unlike most of the time since. Fannie and Freddie and FHA and VA have been, you know, out there with specific rules. They were somewhat chaotic in that they were vague on what you had and you could and could not do. And therefore, whenever it's vague, that means we're responsible. They can mm -hmm. come back and hang you, hang you for it. So you just had to be really careful. Just, you know, we had to go through where we, we re-verified employment, you know, s several times during the process just to make sure people were really working still. 
and still getting paid what they said they were getting paid. You know, we had to cancel a lot of loans. Wow. Even though we did so much business, we still had to cancel a lot of loans because of the, the, the you know, employment situation and the unknown to it all. Just think of all the people that work in the service industry. Yeah. The malls were shut, the restaurants were shut, you know, even gas stations were shut. Like, you know, you have a ton of people that work in that. And then all the companies that then supply those places, they're all affected. Yeah. The airline industry, you know, I talked to a guy, I play soccer and I saw a guy, first time I've seen him in years, came out to play yesterday and he's the pilot. And I was asking him about last year, and he said, like, he walked through JFK Airport, and he said it was like, he thought he was in, like, one of those, you know, zombie apocalypse movies. Right, like the Langoliers. There was nobody there, you know, like, yeah. ever, you know, at all. And uh, so, you know, who, who would ever have thought right. we'd go through something like this, and masks are normal, and, you know, that kind of thing. And so wild. It, it's amazing. So, I mean, we rent a ski house in Hunter in the Catskills for the ski season for the last, I don't know, 10, 11 years, since my kids were got out of college. And um, I was, you know, I waited till September or October to tell the guy I was gonna take it or not. You know, I waited till the last minute. Yeah. I wasn't really sure what the state was gonna let him do, you know, what it was gonna be like. And um, I'm, you know, there was probably tons of stuff like that where people just, where people just said, nah, I'm not doing it this year. Yeah, you know. And then you saw people that were local being hostile to people that were trying to come escape for some places. Yeah, some places. I, don't, I did not see it up there right. at all because they're used to. Um, they need that. They need the influx of people from the from the ski mountain because that's how they, that's that's the only income that they get up in places like that. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of places like that. Where, yeah. But amazingly, the real estate industry went crazy. Yeah. Right. And all these towns that were downtrodden you know going along the hudson river up that way they're now hot because everybody from the city you know wanted to move out and, and go up that way same with around here like all the houses around here you know gone way up in value where they were kind of stagnant for 10 years right and i think it's because the younger people a i would say you're 10 years behind our generation on doing everything getting okay. married buying houses the whole thing um and uh on top of that, they also wanted to live in the cities. Well, that's all changed. Yeah. And now, so down here, it's not the people from the cities moving here necessarily, but it's just people from the suburbs moving a little further out. You right. Know? And um, it's made values go crazy. Yeah. Have you ever in your time in the mortgage in industry seen such a shakeup that COVID brought? Yeah. Um, there was a year back when I, I've gone through several times where uh, business fell off the face of the earth and it felt as if you were never going to do a loan again and never make any money or the company wasn't going to. This is like the fourth or fifth one. Um, the one I remember the most was because I was having my house built at the time and we were living in a rental and I made more money in June that year than I made in November, December, January, February, March, April, May combined. Jeez. Because the state of New Jersey laid off like 10,000 state workers. Mm -hmm. um, GM, which was down the street from us actually, closed their plant here. When was this? Um, 94. 94, okay. 94, 95. All right. Um, and, and this was like a great first time home buyer market right here. So they closed their plant, Ewing raised their, doubled their taxes. Doubled, not like 
double them like overnight because because wow. they lost all that tax revenue. The other first-time home buyer market in this general area was Heightstown Ewing area, and I think it was like a Pepsi or Coca-Cola bottling plant or something closed down there, and the same thing doubled their taxes. So the first-time home buyer market went away, which then made the move-up market go away. Rates went up at the same time this was going on, and uh, it was just horrible. But you know, by the end of that year, made just as much money as I'd made the previous year. Like it all works out in the end. Right. And um, it's just you have to have some patience and you gotta have some savings. And yeah. Things like that happen. Um, so did you have patience when that was going? When you I were in had the- to. I was building the house. Like what was I supposed to? You know. Yeah. I mean, I the only time I ever thought about getting out of the business was the first place I worked for um, got taken over by the. RTC, like uh, by the government, mm -hmm. and uh, they closed the mortgage and they they fired us all. Oh wow! Um, and that was the only time I ever like I was in the business for like five years. And the only time I ever really considered getting out of it. Um, but then once I stayed in it, I was just in it. Yeah. So like that that first time when you the first time you were up against the market where it, well that was the second time. First time was 1987 because in eight, in uh, when I first got in in the mortgage business. 30-year fixed was 16%. Okay. So we used to sell these these uh, weird adjustable rate mortgages um, and because it was the only way people could afford houses. The first fixed rate I did was uh, at 13% and people were just thrilled to get it. Um, I, I, I still remember that. And um, the first house I bought, I had a one-year adjustable that the first year rate was 12%. Wow. So that's, you know, that's you know, it's hard for younger people to understand or even older people to remember it was like that, <laughs> right. but, it, but it was absolutely like that. Um, so in 1986, rates dropped to 9%. First giant refi boom that the industry had, that, that, and when I was in it, it was you know amazing, made a ton of money. Well, in two weeks the next year, rates went up 2% in, in two weeks. Damn. Went from nine to 11. And so what happened then? Same thing, fell off the face of the wow. earth, no business, you know. Um, I think I made half as much money that year as I did the year before. Um, it was just, you know, it was just difficult. Um, but it, you know, then rates started drifting down, and they've drifted down ever since then, really. Yeah. Um, the other times that it's happened, I guess it was '94. I talked about. Then 2004, five, same thing happened. It's usually after, like last year, where it's a giant refi boom. Mm -hmm. Something normally causes that to end. Rates usually go up. Uh, normally, there's some economic thing that happens, and then the next year is worse. This year doesn't seem like that's happening. Um, um, I was afraid it was going to. Kept warning Rich, you know, Armageddon's coming. Just, right. You know, because you've seen it five or six hold times on for six months. Um, yeah. Well, it ended up we had to hold on for two, three months, you know, and, and it's we're already coming out of it. That's awesome. Um, so, but, you know, who knows? It, it could be anything. Uh, I ran our pricing department for years, um, and, you know, I would always get the question, what are rates going to do? I don't know. Is North or Korea going to blow up a, a nuke over <laughs> yeah, right. Japan to, over the weekend? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you got to, like, think, like, what outlandish thing out there? Are we going to have another hurricane come through New York City? You know, is it usually something like big like that that kind of sets sure. it off? Yeah, because yeah. it, it affects the economy. Right. You know, um, it's just the economy makes or breaks the mortgage business. What you have to do is insulate yourself by having enough ways of getting business so that you can you can protect yourself. Um, the more salespeople that we have, the better.
Um, the more wholesale relationships we have, the better. The more affinity relationships we have, the better. Because you're getting business from all kinds of places. Um, even when rates go up, normally, a short period of time, refinances go completely away. But then it just, it'll settle to 20, 25% of businesses are refinanced because, not because of interest rate, because people are putting additions on, they're sending their kids to college, you know, weddings, life events, you know, they need to take cash out. There's, there's all, all kinds of other reasons for you to do a refinance. So the safest thing as a salesperson is to make sure that you have your source of purchase business always coming in and then the refis are a bonus. And it's the same thing for the company. It's interesting. And last year we were backwards completely. And because, but that's fine. I'm not saying not to take advantage of it when it happens. You should take advantage of it. Right. But you cannot stay open for like this company has since 1983 by depending on refis and booms. And so in this year, is it kind of switching back? Switching back. It's not completely switched back, but it's switching back. Um, I think once, I think we're, we're starting to see people are uh, getting comfortable again. Um, the masks are off, people have their, their vax, and people are starting to sell their houses again. Who wanted to have somebody walk through the house last April? It's very true. Yeah. You know, yeah. Want, you know any of that. I mean, it's, it's getting even harder to remember what it was like, but I still remember, you know, you couldn't do anything. When, and when COVID first started hitting and you started hearing about these lockdowns, did you just get a pit in your stomach thinking about where this was going to go? No, because we had all kinds of financial things get thrown at us all at once. So I had no time to think about me. Interesting. Um, I said that to my financial planner like six months later. I said, you know, I mean, I know I, cause I called up and freaked out him a couple times because, you know, just you can't keep watching your net worth drop. But everybody's was, you yeah. know, for a brief period of time. And um, but because I was so engrossed with the company's problems and dealing with our issues, I didn't have any time to think about that stuff. So it didn't really bother me. It was more the nights and weekends where, I mean, you know, I used to play soccer three days a week and we'd go bike riding. We, could, we weren't even allowed to go bike riding on, in, on you know, the trails because the, 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 all the county stuff was closed and yeah. the state parks were closed and it's it just, you know, you forget what it's like right. to not have your freedom so you don't have your freedom. Yeah, that's absolutely and true. So it does amaze me though the way some people, the world reacts, uh, you know, you have, there's the, you know, 80% in the middle and then 20% of, I mean, the 10% uh, of both ends that are just crazy. Absolutely. In both directions, you <laughs> yeah. know, in opposite directions. You're always going to have the radicals on either yeah. side. No, it seems like there's more of them. There's probably 25% on each end and maybe 50% of us in the middle. But, yeah. you know, why anybody wouldn't get a vaccine now, I don't understand. It's but, wild. But whatever. Yeah, whatever. Zone, I guess. Right. <laughs> um, you know, but the people wouldn't put masks on, just like, it made, I remember riding our bikes once they did open, we'd ride on the towpath down here along the canal and going through through Lambertville where you buy houses and people in on their porches yelling at people to put their masks on, Yeah, you know, because they weren't wearing them, so. Yeah, yeah people get all stirred up over stuff, you know. It, Stupid stuff. Yeah, you know. it's always the, the dumbest of and the honestly, issues. honestly, it seemed like it was more my age people yeah. Older people that were being the, the assholes on this one, you know, and uh, but they were also most most at risk too. So it's all you know. You can understand. Yeah, it you know? makes no sense. I mean, the whole rollout was. I mean, there was people in our company that were half my age who got their vaccine vaccines before my mother, who's ninety four years old. Right. 
I mean, it's just like, you know, and not, it's not, I'm not blaming the person, like they got in line, but like, should have been a better way of dealing with this. You know? Yeah, the whole thing was pretty wild. Yeah, just get the, get the thing to every pharmacy and just show up and get your shot. I got my shot because a friend of mine's daughter moved down here and she, she lived with us for, a, when she first came down, she called and said, you know, do you know anybody I could talk to about an apartment? I said, why don't you just live with us for a little while so you can find the area and stuff. So she did, she lived with us for three months. So she called me, she was at Mercer County Community College and she was working at the, at the vaccine site um, on a Saturday and they told her, call anybody that you know, we have too many vaccines. So that's how I got my first shot. Wow. My wife, you know, on the other hand, at four o'clock in the morning is trying to, you know, get an appointment, you know, yeah. previous when, when they made teachers eligible. Right. Um, you know, on an ongoing, which did it like for a week. Yeah. Before I got an appointment where I just got a call from the come on in. <laughs> just make it easy. <laughs> I got my aim. I got sick though. Oh, both, you did? Both shots. Oh, yeah. wow. First one was not as bad, but I was tired for a longer period of time. Second one just killed me. I heard the second one. One day, and then I was fine after that. <laughs> I, heard, I heard it made a lot of people sick, yeah. that second one. So. It's just, uh, I knew it too after the first one. It's like, uh, I'm on the desk. Just started dreading the I, I don't go to the doctor. I never take it. I have no medications I take, so my body is not used to right. <laughs> yeah. these things, I guess. Just a sudden shock yeah, to the exactly. system. Right. <laughs> so when, uh, when COVID was like causing all this chaos throughout the world and we didn't know anything that was going on, did you find comfort in the mortgage industry knowing that you knew how to at least... We had so many issues going on and scary stuff going on that I wouldn't say comfort's the right word. Okay. Um, you know, we, we, we had to, I mean, you had to man up, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. Like, you just like get through it. But, you know, we had, we had uh, capacity issues, um, meaning we, we, the mortgage industry, the way we do business is we don't lend money out of our bank account. Right. We, we have what are essentially like a line of credit on your house mm -hmm. that we can draw down. And that's what we lend to our clients and then get the loans bought off of that line by when we sell them to our investors. Well, we were having capacity issues because we, we business did the opposite. Business went up mm -hmm. and we didn't have enough money. So we were like constantly just, you know, juggling to make sure we we're selling enough loans quickly enough to get more money. And while in the process of increasing our lines, right. Um, the financial markets, in March, though, and April seized up to where the value of mortgage mortgage servicing went to nothing, um, which caused us to have a paper loss of lots of money. Yeah. Um, but and it was just you know at the time you don't really know what's going to happen. You know, is this gonna is it going to be real or not? And um, but by just the fact that rates got dropped and business went up. We, we we worked our way out of it and then the markets finally stabilized and came back to normal but it took a while and you had no idea what was going on yeah you know I, it reminded me of back in the um, subprime crisis time my wife Nancy didn't she wasn't getting it and I said to her one night I said you're not understanding what my stress level is my stress level isn't not that I'm gonna lose my job my stress level is that there might not be an industry <laughs> Right. Do you know what I mean? Like our industry might go away completely as we know it, and therefore there will be no jobs for any of us. I said that's what's worrying me. It's not that you know the company going out of business or me losing my job. And um, this was similar to that, where not that I thought the industry would go away forever, but like 
government could have just said, listen, we got to close everything up. Yeah. No well, one, you know, the only thing about open is your grocery store, you know, and, and the gas stations, you know, that could have seized the whole economy up. Yeah. And it could have, you know, it would have knocked probably three quarters of the mortgage companies out of business because, you know, just would have, there, yeah. you know, there's nothing for anybody to do. So that's what happened in my industry. I came from the film industry, and as soon as it, you did, yeah. So as soon as COVID hit, we shut down. A Hollywood totally shut down. Where, so. What were you doing? Uh, I, I cut my teeth as a costumer on set, so uh -huh. I would handle like continuity with costumes, blood, dirt, and all that kind of stuff. Did you go to school for this? No, I didn't. I kind my, of fell my, into my it. My son went to NYU film school. Oh, really? Yeah. So he's out in uh, Pasadena. He's in L.A. Yeah. Um, doing let's see. So he's doing the podcast. He he does. Uh, Editing, um, he's for, you know everybody's freelance. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, and, you know, and um, he's actually busier because he's because he's always sort of worked from home. Goes in and he does both. So, yeah. Um, and it's picked back up somewhat. But yeah, he was in the beginning. He was wondering whether to get out of there and mm -hmm. you know, what to do. And um, yeah, I worked on set, so they just shut down all the sets. Yeah. And then we were able to finish. I worked on a, a Netflix show called Outer Banks. We shot season uh -huh. two in Charleston. Yeah. And uh, so we were able to do that during COVID. Right. But um, I'll have to watch it. Yeah, it's pretty. It's yeah. fun. But um, I, I was a writer on a TV show on HBO called right. The Righteous Gemstones. Uh -huh. And so they're shooting season two of that right now. But um, you know, production totally shut down for yeah. that year. And so I had to pivot and find something else. That's oh, how I ended up. Put you in touch with each other because you know. Yeah, for you're, sure. You're, you're, you know. Not that many people I I meet that are you know that, that, that tried that. So he's out there doing it. You know, he he wanted to do this from when he was a kid, um, and he's doing it. So you know, well, editing is such a you, magical skill you can't too. Say that about. He, I mean, he writes. Um, you know, him and his partner. You know, have scripts out, and you know, he's doing what everybody does: scrambling, trying, making a living. Yeah. You know, as he's scrambling, and uh, it's cool. That's now, awesome. My daughter, just while we're talking about family, I have a daughter. She's in Maryland. Um, she's married with two. We have two grandkids who are uh, one's turning five, beginning of January. The other one's seven. Wow. And uh, so they're fun. Yeah. They're coming. They're we're going to stay with us four weeks over the summer. Okay. Um, so that's tying up part of our summer, which will be fun. That's great. Um, I had one of them. He finished preschool. And to give his mother a break, he came up and stayed with us. And so I had him for a couple of days while I was working still. And uh, we did great. That's awesome. You know, so he's, you know, he, he, he's, he's five or mm -hmm. four. And uh, it's the first time he got to stay with, without his brother being there. And um, we had a great time. Yeah. And, uh, I was a little nervous about him just being with me while I'm trying to work and bothering me. But he, we, we, it was great. <laughs> and it's funny. I, I've got a. Um, but then his grandmother took him to school. She's a teacher, teaches preschool oh yeah special perfect. ed special needs kids not special ed special needs kids mm -hmm. and uh, so she he went to school and i was there he wasn't coming to stay with that grandpa anymore after that yeah too much fun now <laughs> my wife taught special needs kids for a long time oh, yeah. that's a that's a hard thing to do well, so it takes have, a special you have person a patient wife too then? yeah she's very patient she keeps me keeps, keeps me grounded for sure me too yeah it's funny though you know, I get a lot of St. Nancy's, believe me. <laughs> I, I do believe you. More because of me, but then because yeah, of that too. <laughs> I do believe you. I, um, it's funny. I have I have a 20-month-old and a 3-month-old right now. And so it's it's been interesting watching my dad have to like shift back into caretaker mode, you know, when we drop him off. Yeah, it was a long time before I, you know, that changed the diaper. Yeah. yeah. Really long time. Yeah, it was like watching yeah, him. He's like, I don't even know what to do with this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. So, um... 
So yeah, so like like you were talking about, you were afraid the the industry was totally going to shut down. So that that is what happened to me and a lot of people around the yeah, country. Yeah. Did you find yourself becoming the the answer guy again? Where was everyone coming to you asking what to do and what's going to happen? Like earlier on in your career? Well, I've been that anyway. Yeah. As I got management. <laughs> Unfortunately, by being interested and having an opinion on stuff, you get put in charge of things. Yes. So, you know, at one point I was in charge of IT as well as post-closing, secondary, negotiating contracts because, you know, I got in charge of post-closing because I'm in charge of secondary. If we can't sell the loans on time, we're not making what we negotiated. Right. So I complained so much. I got in charge of it. <laughs> and then I had an opinion about IT stuff. I got in charge of it. You know, those kind of things. So it sounds like anytime you were like, hey, this needs to be changed, like, yeah, they yeah, said, yeah. you okay, take, care, you of it, take care of it, Jeff. Right? <laughs> so we had the guy running the company, uh, Brian Jennings um, at the time, we, had, we, were, we were good together. He, was, he didn't want to deal with the details. Like, I was the next loan officer. I never negotiated contracts. So the first. You know, a few months I'd be bringing him in and we'd be talking about him. You know, I could just see his eyes rolling back of his head. Like, he had no interest. And I was like, all right, I'll just do it myself and, like, just figure it out. And, like, you know, he was he was comfortable with me doing it. I became comfortable with me doing it, too. Yeah. You know, that's all. And that's it's just how I rolled into this stuff. That's such a valuable mindset to have, too. Yeah. It's like, there's a, there's a problem, I'm going to fix it. Hey, the, be the best compliment Rick Wydell ever gave me was one day, it used to, it's a family-owned business. Uh -huh. So everything was a secret. But I, you know, I'm applying for us to get new investors. Like, so I had, I need all kinds of information. I need to know everything. I need to see the financials, and um, you know, they used to sneak them to me, kind of like it was a secret. <laughs> no one was supposed to know. And like one day, I'm like, Rick, you do know? Like, I have to know all this stuff. And he said, I implicitly trust you. I still remember that conversation. I implicitly trust you. Whatever you need, don't worry about it. I'll that is a great compliment. Why. It is a great compliment. Yeah. And um, and uh, you know, I didn't know him very well. You know, he was. He was the owner of the company. Um, I had worked for the company for 10 years or so at the time, but it, you know, we wouldn't really know each other that well. So it's nice to hear that. And um, you know, I took that as how I treat people. Right. You know, I actually told Olivia that um, a couple of weeks ago. That you implicitly trust her? Yeah. And did, did it take you back to when you got that compliment? And well, think I like, said it on purpose because I yeah. want her to hear it. You right. Know? She, she, and I watched her podcast where she didn't mention me at all. So I'm definitely <laughs> going to mention her now. Exactly. And, um, you know, she um, and Fred Lom either watched his. And, no, not one word about me. <laughs> so Fred, you're on my shit list. Uh-oh. Um, better watch out, Fred. Right. And uh, no, because she's, I'm going to, I told her I want her to, um, I'm giving her my NMLS account. So that if there's something like if I can't do something, she can just do. She can go look for me and see what needs to get done. And because I, I trust you, like you're not going to do anything wrong. You know? And how how did she so, react? Do you think it sat with her the way it'll sit with you? I don't know. We'll see. Over yeah. time, I think it probably will. Yeah. You know. That's one of those things that you don't really think about it at the time, but you know, a year or two later, you're yeah, like, man, right. that really meant a lot. Yep. Yep. That's exactly. awesome. That's exactly correct. Yeah. So. You know, you and uh, when the when when Brian decided to retire, I actually told. Because Rick implicitly trusted me, well, I decided to implicitly trust him, and I told him, I'm retiring in four years. I'm telling you right now, I'm retiring uh -huh. June 2021. <laughs> I told him. And, you know, they could have decided at that point to try to find somebody else and blah, 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 but, you know, he obviously didn't. Rick, Rich came on, told him the same thing, 
Um, so listen, I'm just I'm giving you a timeline, and I'm giving you a timeline because the last transition didn't go that well. <laughs> right. And um, I want to make sure this transition did. Yeah. All the things that I do and all the things I was in charge of and all the things I just know, um, there's a lot of stuff that is just uh, one-offs. Yeah. You know, that just fall your way. I had one the other day where we, we have a, uh, a company in, that's registered in Delaware and we didn't do the whatever the, the annual corporate whatever and we got an email letter in the mail and I just went to care of it. But like somebody just needs to do those things. It was yeah. just a miss, you know. Um, and I wanted to make sure that for the most part there weren't too many of those things that were gonna happen after I left. So do you feel good about how you've set up I the think, transition? Because yeah, to be honest, I I I'm not doing anything right now. Okay. So you you basically just like I'm set it up. I'm watching soccer on my, my <laughs> laptop while sitting, you know, watch, looking at emails uh, yeah. for for this week. That's great. Um, you know, um, Olivia had me do some stuff yesterday, but like we, you know, we have to go for fifteen, you know, for thirteen days away, whatever. You know, my retirement party tonight. Right. Um, you know, it should be this way. So it's got to be such a good feeling to know that that you're like this is almost it. I've set it up. Everything's yeah. good. Everything's still working. Now I'm still staying with the company. Yeah. Um, I'm still going to be an employee. I'm going to be like a in-house consultant kind of thing. Um, okay. Licensee. Um, you know, going to have a meetings a couple times a month with the leadership team with Rich. Just to know what's going on, and then uh, you know, plus people can come to me with with issues as need be. I'm just not sitting at my laptop staring at it all day. Right. Um, you but know. you will still forever be the answers guy. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good place to I, be. I like being that guy. Yeah, it's a good place to be. Yeah. And um, I like teaching people like, you know, I, I got a lot of, as I turn things over, yeah, you know, people would say, well, you come to me and I'm like, well, did you go to the website and just try to figure it out? Right. You know, I said, that's all I'm going to do. <laughs> I, mean, cause, I mean, I don't know. I don't remember. You know, mm -hmm. you know, some state wants us to do something like, uh, you know, yeah, maybe I did it last year. I, I couldn't tell you. But all I'm going to do is go to the website and figure it out. So go to the website and figure it out. And right. if you need help, I'll help you. Yeah. You know? Take the first step. I'll help you with the second one. When I was really, I was a lot more involved with our sales staff, you know, 10 years ago. And they would come to me and ask me like a question. And I'm like, do you think I'm a computer? Like, all I'm going to do is go to a website and look it up. Yeah. I said, listen, this is what you need to do. You go look for it. If you can't find it, you don't, or you don't know where to look, or you don't know how to do it, I'll help you. But don't call me up and say, what's the LTV requirement on a four-family, you know, second home? I don't know. Right. You know, I'm not, you know how, how, I mean, who, who has all that in their yeah. head? Like, well, start, start with a little effort. I'm all happy. All I know is, 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 like, how to find things out. Right. Every single day I'm in this business, practically, something new comes up. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And a lot of times I, I'll tell people, I don't know. I don't, you know, you're going to have to go figure that one out. Well, guess what I go do? I go figure, figure it out. Figure it out. Because I want to know. Yeah. Because I'm interested. Yeah. Be interested. And, and when you go find the answer to something faster than, than the person who asked you, do you offer it or do you just wait to see well, if no, they find I wait it themselves? Most of the time. Yeah. See how they do and yeah. then um, confirm our answers a lot of times. So that's what it is. I mean, if it's a big, giant, important thing, it's different. Right. Of course. But if it's just, you know, somebody being some interesting thing, I just let them go on their merry way. Yeah. And how, you know, a lot of your job is to help take the training wheels off and say like, you know, you yeah, can figure these things out. That. Yeah. You know, stop doing, Rich yelled at me one day, stop doing, <laughs> stop doing. So I, you know, I've stopped doing. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, and I mean, I didn't do it quite as early as 
they wanted me to, but I also don't think we were ready for it. But I did start doing it. And that's why I switched to the leaving at 3 o'clock every day in, in uh, when they start doing that. I guess I forget when I started doing it in May. It was because I realized if I kept being available all the time, people were still going to come to me. Mm-hmm. So if I shortened the time, it, it actually did make them get off of me more. It That's really, good. It really did work. Yeah. Um, because I still saw people coming to me for things that, like, they, they had other resources. But just for some reason, that 3 o'clock thing, man, stopped it. Interesting. Um, it's funny how a small change like that can make such a big change. One time, we, we used to have our lock desk, because of the way we did business, was only op- was open to five, 445. And loan officers always, like at 444 or 445, were sending locks in. I changed it to 430. It, it stopped all that. Wow. I don't know. I think it's because 445 is the end of the day. Uh-huh. And 430 is not. Mm-hmm. And so then they would just do them as they got them instead of waiting until the last minute. And I, But it's a psychological thing sometimes. And like I don't have no idea why it happened, but it was amazing to me. Yeah, that's so interesting. You know, so you, you never know with stuff like when things like that will occur. Just a fifteen-minute difference. Fifteen-minute difference made a huge difference on the on the way we dealt with it. That's wild. It made it easier for the for me and and uh, whoever it was at the time was working for me, Charlene or it might have been Jen Roland, who worked <laughs> for me prior to that. Okay. So, been a lot of names through this company, but it's a, since I've been here. Yeah. Um, and this is the first time we've actually gotten to. The amount of, we had 37 loan officers, I think, back in 19, in uh, 2003 okay. or something like that. And we finally have gotten to that point again where we have, I don't know how many we have now, but we must be either near or, or, or above that. Yeah, I don't, I don't have the exact it's number. It's been a long time close. since we've been even close to that. Wow. So, uh, and it feels like it's just growing every week. Yeah. And that's by getting in more states. You have to spread out. We are in New Jersey. Eastern Pennsylvania Mortgage Company, that's all we were. Um, I actually was cleaning out my stuff upstairs a few months ago because they were rebuilding the offices and I, I, had, I, I had brought in as a prop for loan officers complaining how hard it was. I had my accounts book and it had, I used to, my aunt told me when I got in sales, make sure you write down all of your sales and what you're expecting to make and then check it against what you actually make because people make mistakes, which is a great piece of advice from yeah. my aunt. Um, who's 99 years old, still hanging on up in Marstown, New Jersey. Wow. She was the chief financial officer, I mean, chief, chief economist for Union Camp, a big paper company. Okay. And um, so she, was, she, she was, gave very smart advice with things. But I still had this account book. When, and, uh, I used, when loan officers complained, I used to bring it out and show it to them. Like, yeah, this is how many loans I have to, used to have to do to make $45,000 a year. Writing loans on paper you know, with, with mail having to come in and, um, you know, it's 14, 15 loans a month just to make a living, not to make a great living. Right. But that just shows you how much more business there was. Yeah. There were just that many more transactions. So Will took that as a, he, he, he wanted it for some reason. <laughs> All right. As a historical memorabilia. Okay. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. All I had was people's last name and like, you know, how much the loans were and how much money I made. Is he, is he going to frame it or put it in a shadow yeah, box? I have to ask him when he's <laughs> Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> But I was throwing it out. He goes, no, no, give me that. That's awesome. <laughs> he probably, he's just like, I'm going to sit down and learn from the master. Maybe this right here. About, like, I should have, like, we, you know, we used to have this, this room that was, like, about this big and just had all kinds of crap in it. There was, like, a, uh, a briefcase computer mm-hmm. 
um, which I can't even describe, like you had to plug it into a phone line and it was to dial one specific investor. Um, that's what it was for. Somebody had a bag phone, I don't know what a bag phone is, but it was, this, it, was the, it was like a cell phone, except it was in a bag. <laughs> Because it was that big. A bad yes, phone. I've never heard of a bad phone. Yeah. So That's we had one of those. I actually kept all this stuff. Yeah. Great museum pieces. For sure. You know, our our first server that, you know, is probably had as much power as your cell phone does. Right. And it's or the size even, of a filing cabinet. <clears throat> yeah, from the thousand filing cabinets and yeah. stuff. In fact I have to go and uh, we still have paper files that can now get destroyed and I have to go to our off off site location. In the next week or two, and just you know, go in and make sure we can destroy them all, and just get it taken care of before I retire, so wow. that no one forgets that they're there. That's no small job. <laughs> yeah, no, they're easy. I think just, I'm going to take a a uh, thing of paint, just oh, there you uh, go. spray paint, just X them all. <laughs> that's awesome. But I, I'm pretty sure it's everything that's in there we can get rid of. So, World Shore has come a long way since I started in this business. You had to, you had to take an application wait 30 to 45 days for some human being to look at the credit report to decide whether it was good enough or not. All up to them. It wasn't like, no one, no, one, no one got to override them. Wow. And you had to wait for the mail to come in every day. Jeez. Yeah, I mean. No computers. I can't, I mean. Barely electric typewriters. Right. I'm sure it slowed everything down. I mean, you've probably you, you, seen everything just turn lightning speed. You had to beg the closers to close loans because if they made a mistake, they had to start all over. They used to type it on this three-part paper where there's three copies. And okay. If they made an error, they had to restart it. Now, there's less, a lot less papers, but right. it still was a nightmare. It's wild. So, yeah. It went from that to, uh, you know, you literally could apply on your telephone. Yeah. I mean, on your cell phone. I know. That's what I did. Me and my wife. It's, it's so easy. Yeah. So, Very awesome. But it'll change just as much in the future. It's some something we can't even think of. I know, right? You it's know. all all in the palm of your right, hand yeah. or something. <laughs> right. chip in your head. Oh man. <laughs> um, so you've had a you've had an awesome career in the mortgage industry, and you're you're stepping away. Do you have like you've given a lot of good advice in this podcast? Do you have like one like a piece of imparting? You know, the big the biggest thing is just, and this is just with everything. It's just well, first of all, as from a human being standpoint, be empathetic to people. Um, I understand how aggravated, because listen, I am Mr. Aggravation, I get so aggravated at stuff, but you have to be have empathy for the other side of things and why things happen and realize whatever you see as the complications, the other person has their own set of complications. So be empathetic to your fellow man, your, your coworker, the borrower in our, you know, in our industry. Remember, there's human beings involved in this that we're affecting their lives. And it's just not just our borrower, it's our borrower's realtor. It's the seller. It's the buyer of their house, if they're selling it. You know what I mean? It's, you're, we're all the way down the line. Right. And you know, so you know, make good decisions and, and, and be honorable in the best way you can. Um, and then just the other side is just be interested. Be, don't wait for other people to get your answers. Seek out your own answers. And um, you'll just go way farther in life just just by doing that. That's great um, advice. I'm not a religious person, but I think I'm a spiritual person. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how to put it any other way. Oh, I can identify. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I I I do believe in in the you know do unto others. Yeah, that's that's great advice. Um, so I would that would be my parting shot, I guess. Okay, I think that's a great parting shot. Coming from a guy who knows exactly what he's talking about. Yeah. I try to. Yeah.
at least put on the airs. They, they, exactly. exactly. Yeah, I can fake it with the best of them. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and that's sometimes just as important. Yeah. Um, and so my last question for you, you said something early on in the podcast that I just have to know the answer to. Okay. So um, you said you're a music festival guy. Just if you had to pick one music festival that you could go to, what would that be? And who would you be seeing? I, there's t- like this is like the question that we get. Like, what's your favorite movie? I thought you asked somebody that. Yes. Or what's your favorite? There's too many. To, I have no favorites. There's no favorite of anything. Um, I like going to the. Uh, we for years have gone to something called Mountain Jam. It's on Hunter Mountain. And now now it's at Bethel Woods, and they've canceled the last two years. But mm-hmm. it's just it's got jam band kind mm-hmm. of vibe to it. Um, I'm a big Dave Matthews fan. Love, love seeing him play something like that, but they're too big for it. Um, but, you know, I've seen unbelievable people at this concert, and I've also seen... Do you know who the Avid Brothers are? Oh, yeah, okay. I love that. They're from my town. Avid Brothers, first time I saw them, they used to have a big stage mm-hmm. and then a little stage. Or on the little stage. You know, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Right. And, you know, they moved up to 4 o'clock in the afternoon on the main stage to finally, the last time they played there, they were the headliner one night. You know what I mean? So right. like, you get to see that progression of stuff. Saw, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Sean Lennon play on the little stage. Sean, wow. John Lennon's son. Yeah. Who's, you know, I'm sure he's a billionaire, right? Right. No entourage. I didn't go to the, I, I walked by it, but I didn't go get an autograph. At the autograph booth, no entourage. You know, just, it's, it's like, I love stuff like that where there's no bullshit and it's just that kind of vibe. So, um, I'll tell you places I want to go rather than, than festivals. Okay. I want to go to Red Rocks. Yes. Um, I want to go out to, um, where's Dave played? Yeah, and, um, out west. The Gorge. The Gorge. The Gorge. Oh, man. Um, I want to go to places like that. Yeah. Um, we're supposed to go to lock in they canceled it okay in in virginia this uh-huh. year um unfortunately uh, i i think this estate is not completely opened up so what they're doing is three smaller weekend things gotcha. in august we can't go yeah um but we are going the only one we're, we're definitely going to is there's a festival on the jersey shore on the beach in in uh um, asbury park okay and uh pearl jam's playing at it david oh. brothers are playing at it I can't remember who else, so. Nice. That one's on. We have a lot of the same likes and tastes. I feel like we would hang out. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I like young people. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big fan of old people. Yeah, fair enough. Older people, so. <laughs> I, like people. I like hanging out with young people. I mean, I played soccer last night, and I'm, I'm, uh, I like challenges, so I, I'm, uh, I'm up against this 255-pound, you know, African-American guy who's 30-something years old who basically just threw me away every time he played. <laughs> like, he, he, you know, he scored like seven goals in our pickup game. Right. But like, and five of them probably against me. But it was like, he, you know, I'm leaning on him, pushing him, grabbing him, and he just like picked me through. Like I was a gnat. But he probably respected so, for it. Respected yeah, for hanging yeah, with him. time, and I like it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm the second oldest guy out there. But, you know, it's, I love that, playing with the 30. Oh, there's, there was probably a teenager there, all the way up to a guy that was... I think 63 mm-hmm. years older. And it's important to stay active so, like that. We have a 74 year old guy that comes out every once in a while. He's from wow. Argentina. He actually lives around here somewhere. And um, it's amazing. That's wild. And he doesn't look like he's that old. So you got to tell the young guys, like, leave him alone. Yeah. Is this just a group <laughs> of friends? Run that, over. Right. <laughs> right. Is this just a group of friends that meets? No, or it's just whoever shows up. Just kind of an organic thing. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. For this, this pickup thing. Yeah. Yep. So, had a couple of guy come back yesterday that, uh, the airline guy, pilot guy, 
I haven't seen him in, he hasn't played with us in 10 years, but he came back. Wow. You know? How long have you been doing that? Since I was 39. Wow, that's awesome. So. That's a great thing to have to be able to look forward to every week and yeah, get your energy out, yeah. throw some elbows. Absolutely, throwing those elbows. <laughs> yeah, right? Anybody that watches this knows me from soccer will definitely laugh at that. All right, fair <laughs> enough. Watch out for those sharp elbows on gym. <laughs> Awesome. Well, you have to learn how to cheat as you get older. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it becomes more and more important. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Jim, I've, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Nice man. talking to you. Yeah. Nice meeting you, too. Yeah, you too, man. Right. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, fun. for checking out Effortless Conversations, and we'll have another new guest next week. Take care. All right.